Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Yiska Smith and Rabbi Alex Israel on Parshat Ha'azinu. For the latest episode of the Parsha podcast, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, here's Yiska Smith and Rabbi Alex Israel. Welcome to the Pardes Parsha podcast. My name is Alex Israel. And I'm Yiska Smith. And we are both faculty members here at Pardes, here in Yerushalayim. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. A pleasure to be with you. I've got to say, I've been waiting for quite a while uh, to do a podcast together with you. I'm uh, very excited to to hear your learning and hear your Torah. Alex, you took the words right out of, literally, out of, I was just going to say the same. <laughs> okay, so this is this is wonderful. Um, this week we are reading uh, Parshat Azinu, which is quite a sobering Parsha to read as we are actually between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, an interesting time of year. And Ha'azinu is poetry, uh, but it's, it's a very foreboding poet, poem because it talks about how God will bring us to the land and how we will become complacent in the land. We will abandon God's law and, 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 and our, our, we'll betray the relationship and we'll suffer all sorts of uh, exile, ruin, um, all sorts of terrible horrors. The interesting thing is that the story ends a little bit on a, on a good note because God says that he'll never give up on us and he will indeed uh, restore the Jewish people um, to their to their grace. Um, and, and it ends off, Moshe is really on the verge of saying goodbye to the people, but Moshe tells the people at the end of the parsha that they, they should remember this song, right? They should remember this song because it's the song of Jewish history. So this is quite something. Um quite a heavy you know we usually think about songs i guess you have happy songs and sometimes you're going to have more serious sad bittersweet songs maybe this is bittersweet and um sky i wanted to hear um you have some amazing torah from the piazetsna rebbe to share with us uh, on a fascinating phrase here in the parsha so why don't you take it away and i'll see what i can if i can add anything oh great i'm sure you can add a lot uh, however before i dive into this short uh, but very deep and profound teaching from the pss i we just want to respond to what you said at the end that at the end it's we know that god never gives up on us because god is not only what we refer to as our king but god is our spiritual parent we say avinu malkinu our father and a parent does not give up on their children, even if the children feel far from the parent. And that's part of what I'm going to share about the Piyasatsna. Right. And I, I just really appreciate how you how you mentioned that, because we're both parents and we know there's nothing our children can do that would compromise the depth of our love and sense of wanting to protect them. We, we don't give up on them. We, don't, we, we can't. <laughs> and, and I've got to say, and that's despite the fact that sometimes children can be a little infuriating. Well, that's what Moshe comes to remind us in the beginning of Parshatas, you know, which is why I'm going to share this piece with the Piyasetzner. Beautiful. This comes from uh, the very first entry in his book on spiritual practice, B'nai Machshavat Tobah. It's a book where it's a thin book. There are 20 entries that talk to the need to sense closeness rather than feeling far from the divine. Now, this was written pre-World War II uh, in 
in Warsaw, and he was teaching this to a group of more spiritually sensitive Hasidim that were looking for ways, how could we feel closer to God? Was, the, was this uh, done to a group of like uh, young students in their teens or to adults? This was to adults, although he did teach to teens and he even ha had a yeshiva for oh, three no, bar mitzvah boys. Yeah, Chavot Talmidin, that's the, his, uh, his yeshiva. That's why he moved from actually Piasetzna, the Piasetznur came from Piasetzna, and he moved to Warsaw to establish this yeshiva, wow. which was based on Chavot Talmidin. This was a small society, B'nai Machshavah Tovah. It was not a secret, but it was small. And there were rules that people were expected to follow because it was like a Chaburah. Right. And the purpose of the Chaburah was how can we support each other and encourage each other to feel closer. And these were people who were very observant, uh, learned, and yet, I mean, show up for the Minyan every day. What is it like to be that religious, that observant, and not feel close to God? Right, and that's a problem which I think, I think the reason why you teach this so much and people flock to your classes is because I think uh, this is something which many uh, religious observant people feel too, that we can go through the rituals, but exactly. we don't necessarily feel a connection, and we don't know how to connect the, the, the what we do to the spirituality. Exactly. So he establishes, in the, even before this first entry, the matara, the purpose for having this group come together, is so when we're no longer like the servant of a maidservant who obeys the king, but is grinding away all day at the millstone. And we even have in English the phrase when someone goes to a job that they don't like, oh, I feel like I'm just grinding away all day. And he used that metaphor wow. for what it's like to obey, but yet there's more to life than just grinding away at the millstones. Right. And what he wants and his hope is to help move people so they feel that they are also the child of the king, not just the subject of the king. Wow. And he quotes in the book of Devarim, Atem banim, your children, lahashem alokechem. And that's where, the, instead of remoteness, instead of what he calls a, a leptin, um, what's it called? A, a dull heart, a timtum halev, a segirat hamoach, a closed mind, you become, you wake up. You're in the palace with the king because your king is also your father. Right. So there's a certain closeness there. And so he has us all right where he wants us to be. I want that too. I want that. He begins with the first entry, though, by saying, well, why aren't we close? Here we are. We're doing it all. Why aren't we close? And he brings down a verse in Ha'azinu. It's in verse 32, uh, chapter 32, verse 18. Lamed Bet Yud I always find it interesting, even though we did not assign the Prakim and the Pesukim, the chapters and verses, it's in the heart of Devarim, and bet. it's and it's in the life force oh, wow. of that chapter. Okay, so great. he's going to say something in his admonishing, and this is what he says to the Chevra as part of his um, going, this is my farewell speech. V'tishkach el mecholalecha. You are going to forget you will forget the God that began you. Right. And Rashi's commentary on that began you is as far back as when you were actually being brought out of your mother's womb into this world, who did that? Your third parent. 
And because the PSS, he's not looking just at the symptom of feeling far. He's like, why would you feel far from your parent? Because you have forgotten your parent. Well, it's an interesting thing, forgetting your parents, right? I've got kids in their 20s. And when my wife and I talk about, you know, how often they call us or something, I always say to her, uh, well, when I was in my 20s, I don't think I called my parents very much. I was busy, you know, casting my own life. I was, uh, you know, blazing my own trail, right? So it's very interesting as a child, maybe as a little child, you need your parents to help you get dressed. They need to put food on your plate. But as we grow older, I think it's interesting what you're saying, batishkach, to forget a parent or to forget the God who, who birthed you. Maybe it's, you know, we've got, we've got things to do, places to be. That's right. And this is why he teaches in this entry. He believes part of the reason for forgetting one of our parents is we only couch remembering this parent in very specific places at very specific times. Mm. And this is the problem. When I'm in the Beit Midrash, oh, that's when I can remember my spiritual parents because I'm learning the Torah. When I'm in Beit HaKnesset praying, oh, who am I praying to? Oh, that's right. I'm praying to God. But what about when I'm not in the Beit Midrash? What about when I'm not in the Beit HaKnesset? He's speaking to Hebra who, for many, for decades, they didn't have to work for a living. They were in a program. They were in a four-year program for 40 years. They had the man every day. They saw God's revelation of miracles every day. And the Midrash says the clothes on their back, the shoes on their feet never wore out. They had water from Miriam's well. So they, they lacked nothing. So 24-7, they could not forget their parent. What happens though when they go into the land? What happens when you leave the Beit Midrash in Warsaw and you go to your business or what about you're going back home after attending a shiur to take care of the 10 kids? What happens when you don't sense God's presence? Mm -hmm. So what comes first? So does he have a solution? He does have a solution. And that's why he wrote this book. Right. And he incorporates music. He incorporates opening your heart to your feelings. He also incorporates something that a tradition he inherited uh, from Rabbi Nachman, who inherited it from generations long before him, Hit Bodedut. He has a whole entry that there are times when I feel spiritually uh, more alive, spiritually inspired. Oh, wait a minute. It's not time for Shacharit. Oh, wait. It's not time for Mincha. Let me put that aside. When I go to the Beit HaKnesset, then I'll talk, talk. No, go for a walk in nature. You know, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about this because there's a, an amazing comment of the Ralbag on the opening line of the Parsha. And the opening of the line on the Parsha is, uh, well, let the heavens hear and let the earth hear. So first of all, the Sfat Emet, talk about another Hasidic master, yes. says that Torah doesn't belong in the heavens, it belongs in the earth too, and it needs to occupy all the space. But the Ralbag says, the next line says, it's talking about God's teaching. And it says, Ya'arof kamatar likri, my, oh, I teaching, love that. I love my that. teaching is like the rain. Yeah. And he says, and then, my words are like the dew. So especially in this part of the world, any rain or dew is very welcome. Uh, it's life-giving. But he says something very interesting. He says, there's rain and there's dew. Rain are particular raindrops. The dew is like a 
a, a sort of a, a surface moisture which falls everywhere as a, a film. Like a covering. A covering. And says the Rabbah, and I'm not sure where he gets it from, he says, the, the raindrops are like the mitzvot. I have to put on my tefillin now. I've got to say, I've got to pray now. I've got to give tzedakah now. But the stories of the Torah, not the mitzvahs. The Torah is made up of laws and, and stories. It, yes. He says, the mitzvahs are like rain. The stories are like dew. Because the stories talk about <laughs> our every little human situation, how we interact with people, questions of jealousy, questions of loneliness. All the stories that we have in the Torah are questions of leadership, dealing with all of those sticky human situations. And therefore, in the Torah, it's not enough to have Rashi asked in the first verse of the Torah, why doesn't the Torah start with the first mitzvah? Instead, the Torah stops, starts with a whole book of stories. A book of stories. Sipore, yeah, exactly. So he says, no, we need the stories because, you know, stories tell us about life. Right. And they, they're like the dew, whereas... Um, the mitzvot are like the rain. They deal with a specific action for a specific moment in time. And this, in fact, is another way when you asked, what is, how does he teach to what he refers to as we call in English expanded consciousness? It's a machshava ila'a. It's a machshava tova. Not contrary to bad, meaning good, but good meaning in that way of seeing the world, wherever I go, I see God's presence. One way is to learn the Midrashim, because the Midrashim are about people sensing God's presence. And then he teaches through visualization. Close your eyes after you have learned the Midrash and see you in the Midrash. How mm. do you see you as the handmaid at Kriyat Yamsuf, at the splitting of the sea, who can point and say, This is my God, and I will beautify, I will glorify, I will even in another interpretation create a dwelling for him. Wow. You know, we've just got, we're recording this in advance, but when this will be published, it'll be published between, just after Yom Kippur. Before Sukkot, yeah. And Yom Kippur, we have a big high. We say at the end of Yom Kippur, Hashem Elokim, and many of us even promise there will be better. But we're all aware that we're going to come from the spiritual high and go, go into life. And maybe after Sukkot, we'll go into the humdrum. So, Iska, can I can I ask you, since you you're such an expert in the Piazetsna and you're talking about his teaching, I don't know about what's what's something that what's something that we can do? What's something that you do, maybe? Well, um, you know, on, on, on a daily basis, okay. you know, when we're in these very prosaic moments, which aren't necessarily classic religious moments, how do we? How, what's, well, what's a practice? We, <laughs> we do what Heschel says about what it is to live a spiritual life. It's not about acquiring and amassing information. It's learning how to face a sacred moment. So what I do every day, what I teach in my classes, what I teach in my spiritual mentoring practice, what I teach to my grandchildren is to dedicate. It requires, first of all, dedication. It doesn't have to be three hours every day. It must be, though, dedicated time. Let's say five minutes every day where you sit by yourself. Could be if you daven every day in the Beta Knesset before you daven, or after if you don't daven, sit at home, go for a walk, sit in a park bench. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the discipline, the commitment, and the sense of accountability, not to me, but to the divine that dwells within me, that I yearn 
I yearn to hear that kaldamamadaka, that still small voice. So during that time, what am I doing? Okay, so what you're doing, we begin at the beginning. And the beginning could be for five years or not. I begin every meditative contemplative practice sit with this, is directing my attention to the miracle of being breathed into. I relive what it must have been like for Adam and Chava, who were first physical earthlings. Just imagine they weren't alive yet, but they had a body. And all of a sudden, it's like the baby coming out of the womb, you know. Waking up. Waking up. Wake up. This is the whole Tekiyat Shafar in Elul. Wake up. So dedicate five minutes every day. I will suggest to the audience, to the listeners, pick your five minutes in the morning, lunch break, before you go to sleep. The time of the day does not matter. What matters is consistency and self-discipline. And when you start directing your awareness, just becoming aware of being breathed into, you are Adam and Chava receiving the Nishmat Chayim that was blown into their nostrils is being now blown into your nostrils. And then I suggest, I invite people to hold that and then to, with gentleness and with gratitude, return that. Mm. And the beginning is just to be aware. What are you feeling? What thoughts come up for you? It could be you're bored. It could be, oh, I never realized what it's like to experience breath like this. The reason why we encourage this, it keeps me in the present. You want to sense God in this world? You need to be with God in this world. And that means present. Can I, can I ask you a question? You said we also need to give it back. What does that mean? What we need to give, it's when we exhale. Actually, there's a physical movement when we exhale of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Just like when we receive breath. It's like having a catch with someone. You receive the ball, your body moves back. So I teach the movement with meditation is to gently, not like a, like this, I'm being very, very uh, strong about it. Be gentle. Just you feel yourself moving into that space that through exhalation of gratitude. Like when I'm receiving, if I'm inhaling, I can't talk. But when I'm exhaling, I'm exhaling gratitude. And that is a metaphor for putting chesed and kindness into the world. How I treat me how I treat you, how I see other people. Do I see other people as creations created in the image of the creator? You know, I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm going to raise something which maybe is a little bit, I'm really wondering what you're going to say about this. Okay. Um, when, when, when my daughter was very little, she's a very spiritual person. When she, uh, when she was little, she was to be about three or four. We were walking hand in hand to, to her kindergarten. And um, she said to me, uh, Abba, I know what God looks like. So I said, what, what does God look like? So she said, well, he's wavy on the bottom. And he's a triangle. I don't know where she got that from. And he's see-through. And that's what God looks like. So I said to her, how do you know he's see-through? And she said, well, because when Adam was created, Hashem breathed himself into Adam. And when we breathe, we're breathing Hashem. Now, that means God is within us. That's right. Now, I want to give another image. We're about to sit in the sukkah. In the sukkah, we're enveloped by a space. And in many ways, it's a fragile space. It's not the brick walls of central heating or air conditioning of our homes. It's a flimsy because we're almost, if I may say, some people compare the, the sukkah to the mishkan. 
We're sitting in God, right? <laughs> I want to play. I, I, I'm just suddenly this came up for me. I didn't prepare this. I promise. Is God inside us, or we are inside God? Uh, and those are two interesting images, right? Uh, you know, like a baby gets curls up in their in their mother's uh, lap, their mother's breast, right? The baby's enveloped in 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 their mother, and if we say God is a parent, and then and then we've got this idea of God being within us. Is there a difference between these two images? I call it the like, well, That's beautiful, Alex. It's beautiful, and the PSS addresses this as the divine paradox. And what he's asking of us is to move from seeing one dimension of God. God is this from God's point of view. We believe it's all the same. It's only how we differentiate. So we have this idea of the transcendental, ain sof, infinite force, greater than the sum total of all of creation. And the Zohar says to that transcendental nature of God, ain tefisa beklal. There is no catching up to that. There's no grasping that. We're finite. That's infinite. And all too often, not only in Judaism, in many of the other spiritual disciplines and religions, we tend in theology to try to hold on or grasp that. Now, as a theology, as a philosophy, that's wonderful. But the Zohar already says, don't waste your time. You'll never catch up to that. Believe in it. But what you can really actually experience and encounter in a visceral, imminent way is that is also inside of you as Elohim, which is the gamatria for nature. So within natural laws, within my finite being in time and place, I can actually have a moment with the infinite. Does it make sense? No, not a term, not within human seichel. Is it true? We believe it is. That is the divine paradox. So I am part of God because God created me. And God, everything here in this office where we're recording is part of God. Also, God is part of me. Right. So intimacy. Yeah. And what the PSS wants us to do is move away from what you believe in to what you can experience. Because that involves the heart. Right. It's the experiential. It's, it's... Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, it's interesting. We started off by talking about uh, us as being God's children. Right. And you mentioned Avinu, Malkinu. Um I heard from one of my teachers something very beautiful, Rav Yol Bin Nun. He says, throughout Tanakh in the prophets, frequently um, the relationship between God and Israel is described as a um, male-female union. And uh, we find that through the rabbinic interpretations of Shir Hashirim, but it's very explicit mm, yes. in, in, in Hosea and it's explicit in, in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah says, you know, do you think when I, when I threw you into exile, I divorced you? No, we're just, we're just taking a break. But but separation. <laughs> but interestingly enough, the Torah never uses that metaphor of the male and female. And the Torah, as you said, uses the phrase banim atim. Now, you can't you can't divorce a child. A child can't divorce a parent. Uh, you know, you might have ups and downs with your parents, right? But your parent will always be your parent. Your child will always be your child. And you know, you can you can. Uh, we always feel you can feel separation anxiety. We can feel crowded out. We can feel all sorts of emotions, but as you started saying, a parent never gives up on a child and a child will always be attached to their parents in one way or another. And 
that is a very, very fundamental. There's yes. a sense of, first of all, an infinite gratitude that we have to our parents and therefore to God for bringing us into the world, because otherwise we wouldn't be here, and for raising us when we were helpless. But there's also this amazing uh, sense that a, a parent never, ever, ever Every, abandons their child. Right. And, that's and when very... we sense that with the divine, we won't forget. Right. Going back to that verse. Right. As we sense our own parents in our lives at any age, it just constantly serves as a reminder of who they are in our lives, even if we have our ups and downs with our biological, physical parents, which we do. But there's one thing they've done, that, that to the degree that we're grateful to be alive, we owe them so much, hakaratato, so much gratitude. They brought us, they, they were two-thirds of the, uh, I call it the three-way part, three partnership. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, I think we've given people something to think about. Yes. You've certainly given me something to think about. Dedicate, dedicate a few minutes every day. That's where it really begins. Yes. Thank you very much. Wishing oh, everybody thank a you. Shabbat Shalom and a Chag Sameach to all of our listeners. Yes, Shabbat Shalom, Chag Sameach. And when you dwell in the Sukkot, when you dwell in your Sukkah, may you feel that you're part of God's world and God is part of your world, all at the same time. Beautiful. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.